Hi, this is a personal synthesis podcast. Today with me is, like always, Dr. Nesh Popovic, the creator of personal synthesis. How are you? Hello, very well. Hope you are well too. Uh, in the first podcast, uh, we discussed the importance of self-awareness and how to develop it. Nesh, can you tell me, when I open that inner world, what do I do if I find something that I don't like? This is a very important question because most of people don't like to engage with self-awareness because they're afraid it may find something there that they don't like. So let's first of all focus on how we can relate to whatever we find there. Two basic ways to relate to anything are acceptance and rejection. So in very simple terms, you, you either can accept or reject of what you find in there. Yes. And this is that next step. And I want to make a case here that even if you find something that you don't like, it is better to accept it than to reject it. Can you give me an example of something that maybe now or perhaps in the past or maybe when you were a kid, you found difficult to accept? Perhaps you find difficult to accept certain thoughts that you have or uh, desires or um, feelings or emotional reactions yeah, yeah. or behavior and so on. Anything yeah. that that you can think of? Uh, yes, my stubbornness. <laughs> That's an excellent example. So you, you reject your stubbornness. Can you get away from that? I, I tried to reduce it, but I couldn't. You are not alone in that. There is something very unique about our inner world that is different from the reality out there. For example, if you have something in the external reality that you don't like, usually you can just get away from that. Let's say you don't like uh, somebody, you can just stop seeing that person or move away from that person. If you, if you see a big dog and you're afraid of that dog, you can run away. If you don't like a particular part of the town, you may move away and never go there again and so on. That doesn't apply to our inner reality. We can't run away from what is inside us. It's always inside us. And the more we push away the things that we don't like, the greater effect it has on us. It kind of grows if um, if it is unattended. And this is one of the major reasons why self-acceptance may be better than self-rejection. Self-acceptance might make you uh, more self-aware, it's it's characterized by being okay with parts of yourself that you don't like, being open about it, being cool about it, with the consequence that you feel more confident, you're more relaxed, and you're more in peace with yourself. You have less of those internal conflicts. I want to make a case for self-acceptance. I know I'm not good in some things, so when... I accept that I'm never going to be good in some things. I can focus my attention to those that I'm good at. Yeah, that's a very good point. And also you avoid disappointment because of that. Yes, yes, that's very important. 
But I want to ask you something, Nesha. Some listeners may worry that acceptance may reduce their motivation to change. Is that the case? This is certainly a worry for many people. Many people, when I talk about this topic, I usually have two or three people from the audience asking, yes, but then I won't ever change. However, what the research shows, what is very interesting, that actually we make change easier if we accept first what we want to change. Now, let me give you a metaphorical example. Imagine if you want to run a race, right? And you see in the distance the finishing line. And that's where you want to be. However, if you are going to run the race in a meaningful way, you first of all have to accept that you are at a starting point. You want to cross the finishing line, but you're still at the starting point. If you don't accept that, you're not going to have a good race. So the same applies to our internal uh, processes. We need to first accept where we are in order to have a good starting point for the change. That's uh, very interesting. We talked a lot about self-acceptance. What about self-rejection? How can we deal with self-rejection? Certain techniques can help you develop self-acceptance. You can find them in personalsynthesis.com website. And of course, as soon as you increase self-acceptance, self-rejection decreases naturally. However, there are very common types of self-rejection that really need a special attention because they are so, so prevailing, and not only prevailing, but they can have profound effect on our lives. And these are guilt and shame. So oh. it may be useful to talk about that a little bit more now. Why do we have those unpleasant feelings? These feelings are indeed unpleasant, and yet they serve a good purpose. They can be a motivational force to make a change. So when you feel guilty, you recognize that you transgressed in some ways, that you did something that maybe doesn't live up to uh, your own standards, and then you have bad feeling. It's meaningful because that pushes to uh, make a change. However, these feelings very often go wrong. We may feel guilt and shame very strongly, precisely in situations when we can't do anything about that. So, and they can actually have profound effect on our lives, and you can feel guilt or shame about something that maybe you have done in your childhood or or 10 years or 20 years ago, and you can have that burning sensation still. Do you have an example of a situation in which you felt guilt and shame? Yes, I just remember now when you were talking about guilt and shame. When I was a kid, we played football well, between the buildings. I I kicked the ball and I broke the window, some window of the apartment where some old lady lived. So I I panicked, I ran away, and well, believe me when I'm telling you that uh, even now I feel 
guilt and shame about that. That was a little example. I was maybe 10 years old, if I can remember correctly. But when I remember that moment, I still feel guilt and shame. I understand you, Bobby. I had a similar situation when I was a kid about the same age. And I spent a lot of time thinking about that. And yet, when I grew up, it was too late. And nothing I could do uh, anymore. And that kind of guilt and shame stayed for a long time. Um, These examples point at something very important. Our initial instinct is to avoid that situation, to forget about, to run away, to ignore guilt and shame. And yet, that makes these feelings stay much longer. One way to deal with the guilt and shame, to attend a situation that triggered those feelings as soon as possible. And that means accept what happened, be courageous to accept what happened, and take responsibility for what happened and for the consequences of your actions. This is the first step to deal with constructive guilt and shame. Now, there are more steps that I can talk about, but before I go there, I want to address some unconstructive ways of dealing with guilt and shame. So self-punishment, for example. Self-punishment, we often use self-punishment. Are you familiar with that? Or you know somebody who tends to punish themselves for doing something? Uh, Some of my friends, or I don't know, when they try to change something, then uh, they relapse and then... uh, they punish themselves because <laughs> they feel guilt because they relapsed. Yes. And yes. that's the most common example that I'm seeing. Yes, it's very common. And I guess we, we use that from our teachers and parents who tend to punish us when we do something something wrong. However, it doesn't work. It may make you feel temporarily better because you feel now that you you paid for your sins, if you like, but it doesn't really make a difference. And if we believe that it can bail you out, it too can lead to doing the same thing again. Like when we ignore guilt and shame, we tend to repeat what we did, a, a bad thing that we did, in order to diminish its importance. It is the same case with self-punishment. So, for example, you eat that cake that you promise yourself you won't eat it. Then you punish yourself about that. And the next time you say, okay, this is a deal. I'm going to eat that cake again. And uh, because now I, I, by punishing myself, I made it even. So, so it uh, self-punishment doesn't, doesn't lead to um, a real change. Anything constructive. Nothing constructive, indeed. Yes. The same thing is with justifications, excuses, uh, blaming others. This is also very common because we want to feel better straight away. But they're not very helpful either. Even if they work for others, uh, deep down, they won't work for you, but will stop you from instigating a real change. Instead of doing things like self-punishment and justification, it's much better to accept 
first of all, then this is what we um, already spoke about. The first yeah. step of a co constructive, good, positive change is acceptance. The next step is immediately correct what can be corrected. Imagine in your case, if you immediately knocked on the door of that house in which you broke the window and apologized and say, okay, what can I do to compensate? Maybe I can clean your garden or something like that to compensate yeah. for broken yeah. windows. So on. Your, your guilt and shame would disappear. You wouldn't feel guilt and, guilt and shame anymore. Yeah. It wouldn't haunt, be haunting you for years. So yeah. correct what can be corrected straight away. Then acknowledge your feelings and try to understand without making um, excuses and justifications why you did what you did. In your case, let's go back to that incident. How do you feel now about that? Why did you did it? Uh, well, uh, I was very exciting playing football with my friends and I was careless like any kid. So I ran away. <laughs> yes, yes, and and that that's a, a, a natural, and most of the kids in your situation would probably do the same or, or or something similar. Obviously, you didn't do that on purpose; it was an accident. But still, we can all, always use these situations to learn from our experiences and motivate ourselves to need initiate some change in your life. So. Yeah. That experience can be used in the future. Is that something that resonates with you? Yes. Have you ever broken another window? <laughs> no, <laughs> but, I, but I learned to take responsibility. Yes, to take responsibility and possibly to be, to be more careful. Possibly to be more mindful when you are playing football or something like that. That leads us to another step of dealing with guilt, uh, guilt and shame is to make a firm resolution and think of strategies that will help you put that res resolution into practice. So once you dealt with the consequences and accepted what, what happened, the next step is, okay, so what do I do next time in the same situation? Yeah. This is really what makes a huge difference because at that point, you are making a change. And not only do you are making change, but you are changing yourself. You are now a different person. And once you achieve that, you can forgive yourself on the basis that you have changed. You are not longer that same person who did what you did and what made you feel the guilt and shame. So you can say, now I'm a different person who is not likely to do something like that again. And you can look that person that was you from greater distance. I'm not promising that guilt and shame will completely disappear, but the intensity will be much smaller. Thank you, Nash, about uh, this. Our listeners can read more about self-acceptance and rejection, guilt and shame in our website, personalsynthesis.com. And next week, uh, we are going to talk about personal change.
See you next time, Bobby. Thank you. See you.